Live, laugh. <laughs> How's it going, everybody? This is Daniel. I'm Christian. And we are joined by the one person that has the JR at the beginning of his name, and that is JR Miller. How are you doing today? Man, I'm good. I hope y'all are. Doing great. Doing great. Absolutely. Um, we asked the hard hitting questions here. So if you don't mind, what does the JR stand for? I'm a junior. Uh, I was actually named after my dad. So I've always been JR. It's It's been that from as long as I can remember. So it's not like it's something that i just tagged for wrestling it's it's always been jr oh so it's it's the real deal real deal yeah yeah for sure and and there's a lot of confusion in locker rooms because me and omg are oftentimes in the same spot they're like jr 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 and it's super confusing but i I do respect the fact that he's been in the game for so long and he he's got it tatted on him so it's it's for life baby um, if you had to do a, a Mount Rushmore of juniors, who would be on that list for you? Dude, that's a super, <laughs> that's a super uh, good question. Um, well, first, I would say Reggie Warren Jr. That is a deep dive for any Southern fans around here. Uh, y'all, y'all may or may not know who Reggie Warren Jr. is, but you should probably look him up. Yeah. Um, second... Uh, especially being from around Mooresville, North Carolina, probably Dale Earnhardt Jr. Yeah, that's, that's a goat. Yeah, gotta gotta throw him in there. Um, not not as good as his dad, R.I.P. Yeah, but uh, praise Hale, praise Dale. Yeah, dude. Um, fuck, this is on the spot question. That's that's two yeah. good ones right there. Um, I'm gonna throw me in there just because yeah. I wouldn't be me if I didn't. So. Yeah. Um, Rodney Rodney Miller Jr. right there. That's that's the real government name. Drop that for y'all. Awesome. Uh, y'all get the hard. I love a good exclusive. Yeah. yeah, dude. Y'all get the hard hitting shit. Um, yeah. and then the last junior, junior. Um, you got Kim Griffey Jr. You've got Hank Williams Jr. Yeah, I need some help, dude. All right. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. Let's let's go with uh, Hank Williams Jr. Okay. Just for the fact of keeping it along the same lines, Reggie Warren, Dale Jr. Hank Williams Jr. Yeah. Myself. Yeah. Let's go with those four. All right. All those statue people out there get to get to statue and Yeah, man. Me and Hank are upside each other. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. We'll get on that graphic immediately. Yeah. Oh, yeah the t-shirt. Like... Because yeah, I've noticed yeah. your merch game is fantastic. We 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 gotta throw more merch out there. Yeah. Dude, we we've been trying to come up with some stuff. TDT had the Fuji's idea for so long. We've actually had that idea in the pocket for so long, man. We got the pictures made, and then Downey killed it with the edit, and uh, we just got T-shirts made, and I got with Mark DeGrucci for the other design that yeah. just dropped. But, uh, yeah, we're working on some stuff. I got some other things because we, uh, we've been rocking the jackets for, for a while now, and the summer's been so hot, so we've been in these buildings just yeah. – Coming out of these jackets, sweating, and Benny's dying. Who's already dying because he's <laughs> fucking Benny, and so we gotta get some other shit, man. Yeah. I'm sure TTT is fine with that, though. Yeah, TT straight, man. He can, TT can roll up anywhere, like hooded up, beanie, and he's he's cool, man. Can it, can you confirm that under that hoodie is his ring gear? I can confirm that ninety percent of the time it, he's ready to go. And in his defense, though, like there's been so many nights that that Tevin showed up to places and they're like, "Yo, can you get in right now?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, I can get in right now." And fuck, I mean, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. But me, dude, I need like, I need a little bit. <laughs> I can't show up and jump in. Yeah. I'm, I've done it before, but it's just yeah. What does your pre-match ritual look like? Ooh. Um, I don't eat I, I don't eat the day of just cause at all. Usually not, man. And if I do, it's like super early, way ahead of time. And uh I'm always scared that like cause there's been times, you know, that I have ate before training and you know, you get in there and you get rolling around and you're like, Oh fuck, man. I can taste it. Yeah. <laughs> and I just never want to be in a match and that happen. Cause it's happened to fellas, and yeah. so <clears throat> excuse me, TDT too. Uh, we we normally don't eat anything like heavy before a match. We'll yeah. we'll get in there, knock it out, and then grab something on the way back, yes. especially for the road trips. But is that a learned 
thing you do or did you have to learn that I can't eat before because that was awful? Yeah, well, driving like up and back and forth to Tennessee, because after I first like graduated, I was just going to train for like two days at a time. And I would like wake up early in the mornings on Monday, jump in the car, drive straight to Tennessee. And then I'd realize, like, damn, I'm about an hour away and I haven't ate anything. Let me go eat something real quick. And then so I'd grab something like from Sheetzer and then I'd immediately get there, jump in the ring and you're rolling around for, you know, the next two hours. If you're lucky, if there's not a lot of people there, you get a lot of ring time, but you're rolling around for the next little bit. And then you kind of learn after a while, I can do this or I can do that before a match and get away with it. But, you know, as far as like pre-match rituals, I, I don't eat, um, I try to stretch a little bit, get in a good little headspace. I don't really yeah. do music. I just kind of shoot the shit and, and talk and, you know, joke around. Awesome. Um, so, what is jump ahead and then we're going to jump right back. So you trained with Dr. Tom Pritchard in Knoxville, Tennessee, correct? Yes. Okay. Knoxville is home. And of course the area of Tennessee is home to crystal burger. Are you familiar? I'm familiar, but I'm not familiar. Like I didn't really get into it up there. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask your crystal burger order. Cause we don't get a lot of people from that area. Oh man. I would not be able to do it justice. I, I don't have enough enough experience i was up there to do one thing and that was learn how to wrestle and yeah. uh, it wouldn't eat chris burgers well, that's why we're different <laughs> <laughs> that's why you're on the podcast and we're the ones asking the questions hey, that's all right I did um, we don't make the rules yeah uh but it, to jump back from where you were with dr tom pritchard you had to have a start with wrestling um where was your like origin story with wrestling where, where was the first time that you saw it what made you fall in love with it um we were staying in a rental house when I was like five or six years old. And uh, I remember being up really late one night and I was watching a Monday Night Nitro and it was Rey Mysterio versus Bam Bam Bigelow right at the time when they were getting started uh, with Ray as like the giant killer. I believe he just beat Kevin Nash like the week before. And it was just super different you know caught my eye and i was like damn it's pretty cool you know i watched it and uh then my uncle his name's gabriel he got me a dvd for my sixth birthday and it was the stone cold dvd because stone cold said so and i don't think he knew what was on it or anything but it's just like two hours of stone cold flipping the bird and just kicking ass and, yeah um but like everything a six-year-old would love you know yeah, so I watched it every day after school until my mom kind of called on to what it was. And then she would hide it and I would find it and watch it again. But it, that kind of got me in love with wrestling. And I was just watching every Monday night, just waiting on Stone Cold to come out and uh, yeah. do his thing. So it was safe to say that was like your favorite wrestler growing up. Oh, yeah, for sure. Stone, uh, Stone Cold and uh, Triple H. As I got a little bit older and got back into it, I started to appreciate the workers, like, you know, a little bit more uh, as far as you know, Chris Benoit and Bret Hart and guys like that. But yeah. the, the guys that originally got my attention and kept me entertained were definitely Stone Cold Triple H. Yeah. Did you ever uh, hit anybody with a stutter? Like, was that something you and your friends would do, just walk around? Oh, yeah, dude. Like, uh, growing up, especially, I had a neighbor, and uh, he had a trampoline, and me and him used to just kill his little brother with <laughs> choke slams and last rides, and that's, that's still, like, the toughest toughest kid to this day. Yeah gotta be <laughs> <laughs> and there's always that one kid that's unfortunately doesn't get to be the wrestler gets to be the jobber yeah well you know you, you gotta have those too man and yeah. uh there's guys that, that that make a career out of it and there's yeah. definitely guys that do it better than others <laughs> awesome uh so you mentioned that you kind of got out of wrestling and you get back into it at what age did you start watching again well I was into it all the way up until probably like eighth grade. And uh, I, I had everything, man. I had the action figures and, and I just kind of cut a cold turkey and just quit watching. And I got super into sports and into football and then into baseball and through high school and got away from it. And then right around 2016, um, I, I, the Dudley boys came back. Yeah. The Dudley boys came back. My cousin shot me the link on Twitter. I was like, yeah, check this shit out. And yeah. That was one of my favorite tag teams growing up, them and the Hardy Boys, of course. But uh, I seen that, started playing the video games. And me and him played those damn video games from like 20, 
2014, 2017, you know, and right, right as the Dudleys came back, I got super into watching it and stuff. But uh, we would play them games every day, and one day I just, like, put the controller down. I was like, dude, I, I don't want to be the creative player champion anymore. I yeah. want to fucking wrestle. And even if I'm only doing it, you know, two or three days a week and, and we're doing it around here, like, let's let's actually give it a go. And, and originally, like, me and him were going to do it together. And uh, just like Caitlin Marie, if you're from North Carolina and you type in pro wrestling schools, yeah. the first place that pops up is going to be George South. So yeah. I had seen that. I shot some messages to Caleb Conley and uh, Cedric Alexander at the time, and both of them were, were super kind and uh, replied to somebody that they didn't even know, which I thought was cool. And they're like, yeah, man, come on out, uh, join the school. And I had really bobbled that idea back and forth for a long time until I uh, came across Dr. Tom's school. Yeah. So how involved were you? Uh, like, how often were you going? What was your schedule like until you decided to kind of fully commit? Well, I kind of fully jumped in. I mean, I was I was going back and forth with it until I actually applied to go to Docs. And yeah. uh, I was at the beach, and I had this crazy, crazy fucking dream. And woke up at like 5 in the morning, and the first thing that I had seen on my phone was there's a picture of Dr. Tom, uh, Glenn Jacobs, Kane, and The Undertaker when Kane went to the school. So yeah. First thing I pulled up on Facebook, and I was like, fuck, Dr. Tom and Kane's got a school in Knoxville, and like I've never even heard of it. So uh, I learned you could apply, talked with my family, and I was like, hey, you know, I've been debating on doing this for a while. This is the school to do it if you're going to. Yeah. Um, I'm going to apply. It was my way of trying without actually like trying. I'm going to apply. And if I get in, I'm going to go. And they're like, yeah. okay, you know, apply. Um, and two days later I get an email and they're like, Hey man, you know, pack your shit. Uh, class starts this day. If you want to come. And yeah. I had built this house and was living there. And pretty much at the time, as soon as I got accepted, man, I put the house up for sale and, and sold it and kind of went all in on this. So are you living in Knoxville or are you kind of commuting? No, no, I was, I originally, I went to, as soon as I sold the house, I had booked a three month Airbnb in Knoxville. I was staying in this lady's basement, man. Wow. And it was a nice ass basement. It was like an apartment <laughs> basement. Um, and it was at the top of this, like, Mount. it was a super cool deal, but you yeah. some shit. And I was up there to just do one thing and it was just to learn how to wrestle from the good doctor. And, yeah. uh, I sold that house, stocked that money up, went to Knoxville, and and for three months, man, I was just living in an Airbnb, going to the gym in the morning, going to train in the evening, and going back and then sleeping. And uh, I we started out with like twenty one or twenty two kids on the first day. Thirteen or fourteen of us ended up graduating, but I was the only student to get to have a one-on-one -on -one singles match at our graduation, which was super cool. Dr. Tom picked me to, to do that. And uh, I got to wrestle in the car. Awesome. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to get stuck on this. Is it cheaper to do Airbnb over three months? Like, do they give you a better rate? <laughs> at the time, I, I didn't have like any experience with knowing as far as staying extended time, like away out of town. But as I was, I, I booked the Airbnb because I got that big chunk of money from selling the house. So I really wasn't looking into price wise. I was just like, man, I think fucking spot and crash. Yeah. This lady's got a spot in her basement. I'm going to fucking take it. And, uh, <laughs> but as I was staying there training, I learned that a lot of the advanced kids were staying at the extended stay and a lot of them were crashing with each other. Yeah. And so probably if I would have looked a little bit more into it, I would have went with the extended stay deal, but the, the Airbnb wasn't bad and I had a lot of privacy. I didn't have to deal with anybody fucking with shit. You know? Yeah. I think you probably lucked out. I've heard some yeah. stories about extended stays. And uh Oh my God, dude. Uh so we did the the JPWA deal and after graduation I, I would go back and forth uh -huh. to stay and uh, I would drive up there on a Monday, train Monday, wake stay at the extended stay Monday night wake up and then train on Tuesdays and then just drive back to North Carolina. Huh. Super expensive just to train for like two days. But the, the knowledge training with doc was just for like that whole first six months was, was definitely worth it. Yeah. So, um, what was, how, how did, I guess, how does Dr. Tom 
different than the high spots training you were getting at the time. Oh, I never went to train at. Uh, oh, you just thought about. Oh, okay. Okay. No, no, no. no. I was because that's the first thing that popped up, and they they okay. were like super cool about. Yeah, man, come on out. And I ne- I just couldn't like. Okay. Uh, never really did it until I seen the Dr. Tom deal. Okay, I was so like, you know what? Fuck it. Yeah. Okay. So, what was the the first day like at, at training with with Dr. Tom? Um, actually, when I first showed up, he thought I had trained somewhere else too because we had. We had got there and it was all really simple. You know, you do your rolls, you do you, you do your first couple bumps and shit. And um, but I'd already kind of been getting ready to to do it, not like in the ring wise, but yeah. I was watching like Tough Enough and seminars and like kind of knew what to expect the first couple of days of beginning stuff. And uh, he had asked me, he's like, "So who trained you in, in North Carolina?" I was like, "No, uh, this is this is the first day that I'm, you know, starting." Yeah. To- he asked me probably three or four times in the first two weeks. Yeah. It wasn't George. It wasn't. It wasn't this guy. It wasn't an AML. I'm like, no, nah, first, first time with you. Yeah. We're breaking in. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We had um, AJ Kazan on. He spoke very highly of Dr. Tom. It's like, um, he played football at Tennessee, and he said Dr. Tom's school was was harder than that. How is it adjusting to it physically? Yeah, it's definitely different, man. And and like AJ said, you, you can do all like the football, cardio, and, and conditioning that you want. But in the ring, it's different. And um, Dr. Tom, the ring that he originally had set up in, in the original JPWA building is super stiff. It's, it's a good ring to learn in because once you can kind of get comfortable and uh, acclimated to, to that mat and that ring, you can bump and go anywhere, you know, and work and, and you should be able to do it at a high rate. Cause that's, that's just like AJ said, that's kind of what he's teaching over there. Yeah. Um, so how far into your, your training, did you have your first match? Uh, right after the 12 weeks, Dr. Tom put me in that graduation match and I had my like first match, but I didn't really have any say in the match. It was kind of like, Hey man, we're going to stick you with, with a recent graduate who, who kind of knows what's going on. He has an idea of, how shit's supposed to go. And uh, we're just going to see what you can do, man. I think, I think that was just Dr. Tom's way of uh, wanting to take a look at me. And, and, you know, this, these 12 weeks, you, you've looked decent. I'm going to throw you this ball in here. You get to have a match with Justin. This guy's named Justin Savage, by the way, Kentucky blue blood, Justin Savage, drop a name there. Um, and, you know, he took care of me and, and broke me in the right way. Uh, but we, we got to do that on graduation nights, so just 12 weeks in, we did it. And I trained for another, probably four or five months before I took my own first booking, my own first match. Yeah. And there were, there were these other kids that I had graduated with that were, that were taking bookings and then kind of working regularly. And I was still waiting to dip my toe in. And Dr. Tom kind of pulled me to the side. He was like, yeah, man, you gotta, you gotta get experience and get out there. He's like, you're ready. Just, just fucking do it. And uh, yeah. that's when it happened. So what was your first match? Well, um, I went to a seminar that AML put on. Uh, I got really lucky because it, it, it all worked out. I graduated from Dr. Tom's, and right afterwards, AML asked him to come in and put on a guest seminar and showed out at the seminar and talked to C.W. Anderson and Brian Hawks, who, who books for AML. And they're like, hey, man, you know, uh, are you in Tennessee or are you, are you close by? And they found out I was in Charlotte and just kind of lined it up to where as soon as Future Stars returned, I, I made my debut and they never really knew that I'd never had a match before. Yeah. Um, actually, I, I posted something for my two-year anniversary of, of having my first match, and I had tagged, you know, obviously Future Stars in it, and Brian reached out and was like, man, I had no idea that was your first match. I was like, hey, brother, you asked me if I wanted to wrestle. You didn't ask me if I wanted to wrestle, you know? So, yeah. But, yeah, it worked out. Right. Who was that match against? It was against Mason Matthews. Um, okay. it, was, it was marvelous, Mason Matthews, and I – I came out swinging with a with a good little promo, and I had me a, a nice little mullet haircut at the time. Oh. So I actually looked like I had a little bit of a, a character to go off of, and and they bought it. So you know. yeah. I love the idea that the mullet makes the character. I think it does, dude. It does. Here's the deal: I cut that mullet for a white trash party um, 
at because I, I bartend. Uh, I bartend and you know during the week and, and earn a little bit of extra cash. And we were having a white trash party for this girl that I bartended with, and they were like, "Yo, how crazy would it be?" Because I had this long, fucking thick hair. They're like, "If you went to cut it, because I was gonna cut it already." And uh, like, if you went to cut it, you cut a mullet for the party. And I was like, "Yeah, that would be fucking cool." And then I cut the mullet and uh, show up to the party and win this contest. And everybody telling me how fucking gnarly it looks. So I was like, I'm going to get promo pictures done just to see the reaction. That's it. And, dude, I posted those pictures. And the shit that people were DMing me and saying and, like, you know, how good it looked and how different it was from what I originally was planning to put out there. And, uh, yeah, man, we just ran with it for, like, two years before I cut that mullet. Awesome. What was <laughs> what was your idea before the mullet? Because you said you had something different in mind. <laughs> yeah, I um I was gonna be the Carolina Crippler. Okay. I was gonna be the Carolina Crippler. I had this idea of like a mix between a Bret Hart, Chris Benoit type character, and uh, Sinbo D came to Doctor Tom's for like a a two day coaching deal and. He pulled me to the side and he was like, "Hey man, dude, you know who you remind me of?" And I was like, "What are you talking about?" Like, because uh, I was what I was portraying was not what he'd said. Yeah. And he was like, "Gino Hernandez." And Doctor Tom has all these posters all over his wall. Tom and Gino were everywhere, and they were super familiar. And it was old school, and I knew who he was. And I was like, "Well, you know, I am a big Ric Flair fan. I'm from Charlotte." And he was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, kind of like." a mix between Ric Flair, Gino, like super arrogant type guy. That's what you remind me of. That's your vibe. And I was like, yeah. well, let me try something. Yeah. That's where we ended up. Do you take that like with the great assault when somebody's like, hey, you kind of look like a stuck up dude. Like, No, nah, kinda... man, because especially when I first got in and I kind of just popped up out of nowhere Yeah, and I, I kind of, I kind of got pushed into a, a decent spot right off the bat, and uh, I didn't ask anybody to put me any place. I didn't ask anybody to put any fucking belt on me. I didn't ask for shit, man. I just showed up and I said, "I'm ready to fucking do it." You know. Yeah. So any any heat that I got, fuck it, man. Um, but I kind of did get some heat at the beginning because it was like, "Who's this fucking kid that popped up out of nowhere? He's got this goofy ass haircut. He's talking shit in promos, and uh, you know." It, it just came with the territory. But yeah. yeah. Awesome. Uh, at what point do you decide that you want to um, kind of start uh, building upon the knowledge that you got from Dr. Tom Pritchard and kind of go to the Nightmare Factory? I had applied to go to the Nightmare Factory before I'd left to go to Docs, but I had gotten accepted immediately to Docs. So I thought it would be a good idea to go there first. And yeah. it was like, I, I, wouldn't have had it any other way, of course, because like the, the way that Doc is, you, you apply to go train with Doc and Doc's there every day. And I needed that type of training to like go away and um, just hard nose and old school. You know, he, he he has this saying, he's like, hey, I'll fuck with you, but I'm not going to fuck with you. You know, like it's it's all for the better of of pro wrestling to make you better. Yeah. And, uh, and that's exactly how he is, man. He's, he's the best. But I was I was doing that and training with Doc for about six months, and I had heard back from the Nightmare Factory finally and got accepted to Class 3. And I'd hit some financial struggles just from I'd sold the house, was pretty much working for about a, working for about a year, and then got accepted. I communicated with them, said, hey, I can put down my deposit this time, but can I come to Class 4? They were super cool, said I could. So it was about a year that I had been training for six months and then working matches for about five months that I left to go to the Nightmare Factory. Okay. So, like, during that five months before you go to the Nightmare Factory, what was your experience, like, getting out there working, being on your own? Do you feel like you were prepared for it, or are there any, like, learning curves, like, actually, like, being in a locker room? Yeah, I was was prepared for – the the basics of everything just from being with doc and kind of being around things like and like i said even after my first even after i graduated even after i graduated had my first match there was a good like four months that i was kind of dipping my toe into whether i wanted to have my first official match so i I definitely felt ready once i'd start rolling and i would never really get nervous about matches 
And I thought that was weird because there's a lot of people like, man, fuck, I'm nervous. And I was like, yeah, I'm not. But, you know, there, you get jitters, but I'm not, I was never really nervous. So uh, I felt ready for like locker room as, as far as that, because I was always in like super good locker rooms, like Future Stars is where I originally started. And all those guys were really cool. Um, nice. And they had uh, a super good core of guys that we started and kept. And then Zooka King was kind of the the head of that originally bringing future stars back and winning that belt so like super cool locker room leader and yeah. and that helped that helped a lot awesome um so what is what is the the first day like in um in the nightmare factory how is it different from dr tom i think it was different for me because it wasn't like my first official day yeah. i had a little bit of wrestling knowledge of, of whatever we're going to do today in these first couple of weeks. Like I should, I should already know. Yeah. Um, but you still feel a little bit of nerves just being there with Cody and, you know, yeah. he's there, but Cody was, was really cool. Um, it was right at the time where Brandy was, was about to have the baby and, uh, he wasn't there as much as probably he, he is now and, and was, but, uh, QT was there a pretty good bit and QT was, uh, was a hard nosed coach and I really kind of vibe with QT. We we had a uh, a good relationship and he would just tell it tell it like it was, man. And I appreciated that. Yeah, I don't think he gets enough credit. Like nah. he's he's on AEW and he like every time he gets a match he like he shines, but like he's always just kind of like just the guy they throw in there. But like talk us through the working with him as a teacher because I don't think a lot of people really get to see that side of him. Right. I mean, you hit the nail on the head there, but just underappreciated. And, but he's a guy that you can put in any spot, you know, like you can, you can put him in, in the first match, you can put him in that, or you could like in triple A, he's main event over there and and knock the ball out of the fuck apart doing it. But uh, as far as a coach, he's just uh, cut to the chase, tell it like it is, you know, you do something and it sucks. He's like, Oh, that fucking sucks. But then he's going to pull you aside and, uh, He's going to tell you, you need to do it like this. And he's uh, he's always just really, really truthful. And I remember there was a there was time about four weeks in that he sat all of us down. And it was like, hey, man, if you guys really want this, you know, y'all got to start taking it serious. And a few of y'all are going to go places. And then a few of y'all are going to get done with this 12 weeks. And y'all are really going to have to do some soul searching if y'all really want to do this shit and go anywhere. So, and we appreciate that because uh, people – People just patting you on the butt and saying everything's great and you're doing a good job. It it's not always the best the best for you. Not at all, especially when you get out in the real world. Yeah, it's a little bit more like it's not like football where you can get kind of like wrestling's. Like people are going to tell you how it is. Yeah, and, and with Doctor Tom and, and QT, that they're super similar in that way. Like just old school. Hey man, let's let's get the shit do it right. You know. So. Uh, <laughs> I see here that you were also in the, the showcase for the Nightmare Factory for Cody Rhodes. How was that? That was really cool. And I got lucky, man, because we got towards the end of that 12 weeks and everybody's like, fuck, who am I going to get paired with? Because everybody, well, not everybody, you don't always get a showcase match. Um, yeah. Just like the thing, uh, people automatically assume that if you go train at the Nightmare Factory, you get to automatically go on AEW Dark. That, that's not the case. But, um, my class was was pretty decent. We had a lot of a lot of good guys and enough to where everybody got to have a match. So our showcase was a little bit different in that sense that it was all matches and we didn't have to have a battle royal to split up the bullshit. Um, yeah. But I got lucky. Uh, they they announced matches and I got pa- paired with Kevin Panic. And Kevin is, I believe, based out of Indiana. He's a super good baby face. He can also he can also do the hill stuff, but. Uh, we had a good idea of the story we wanted to tell and uh, everybody kind of got an agent per se. And ours was Glacier and one of the best guys that we probably could have had for our match. And we got finished with the match and went to the back force, you know, he beat me, but shit happens. But we we come through the curtain and uh, the first person I see is Cody. And if you, if you see Cody a lot of times, like he's in a suit and he's looking yeah. fresh as hell. But when he's not in a suit, he's he's laying low. You know, he's got the 
He's got the hat forward and the hoods yeah. up. You've probably seen it in the documentaries and stuff. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and so I really couldn't tell it was him until he got right in my face. I was like, hey, man, that show uh, that showcase match was better than any showcase match should be. I was like, oh. Looked at Kevin. I was like, man, we fucking we did pretty good then. So it was yeah. nice. That's awesome. Um, yeah, Cody Rhodes, pretty cool. We've, we've had a kind of a similarity, I think, is uh, the Black and the Brave with Seth Rollins mm-hmm. kind of um, Oliver Sawyer work there, but it's kind of got to be surreal to see like this guy that you like saw on TV and yeah. like, a fan of the old Southern wrestling, the son of dusty Rhodes, now telling you like, Hey, you did a good job. It's gotta be a really awesome feeling. Oh, it was crazy. Um, especially because when I first started getting back in as a fan, uh, he was with ROH and they were coming to town in Concord. Yeah. And I went to all those shows, paid for the meet and greets. Like I got the pictures of me and my cousin who was going to wrestle with me holding the ROH belt with Cody. And we're just cheesing like a bunch of goofs. But uh, I wanted to show him that picture, but I didn't want to take up too much time. And yeah. uh, that comment, him pulling me aside and telling me that, I was like, man, I can just hold on to that. And I, I can take that with me. and I'm, I'm good there. Yeah, that's awesome. Yes, sir. Um, so you mentioned that like some guys on um, – Emory Factory typically get to go on AEW Dark. Is that one of the ways that you kind of got on there, or how did that process work for you? Yeah, definitely. Um, usually, like we had a meeting right after the showcase, and uh, QT said, you know, the, the guys who we believe are ready will probably get reached out to to go on uh, to go on Dark, especially when we come around to your your states. Um, so that's pretty much what it was. You know, I graduated and it had been a couple months and they were coming around to North Carolina and, and uh, I had had a conversation about being used for uh, the loop when they came around. Yeah. And I just kind of, you know, waited to hear back on that. And as soon as they headed this way, I got the email and uh, there's been, I want to say like three people out of my class that have gotten to gotten to go to dark I believe so, but it was cool to to actually get the invite and then get to wrestle because they came to Greensboro first and uh, and I got to wrestle the six man that night with uh, yeah. with fodder against the uh, the Dark Order. That was really cool, and then we got invited to the Battle of the Belch right afterwards. Um, I didn't wrestle that night, but getting to sit backstage and uh, like uh, me and fodder sat right beside Jerry Lynn and fodder and Jerry Lynn they talked forever and just kind of getting to listen in on that and. Uh, Right after that, they were in Raleigh, so we we wrestled at PNC and gotten to got to get in the ring with uh, Lee Marardi and uh, Matt Seidel. So that was pretty yes. cool. That's awesome. What's it like going from like small shows like uh, AML um, Future Stars is in like three rows of seats tops? Now you're in places like the Greensboro Coliseum and the PNC yeah. Arena. And what's it like being out there in front of that many people? Well, hey, brother, um, I just want to go ahead and set the record straight. When I had that Future Star strap, <laughs> that fucking bill was packed, all right? So, <laughs> it might be three rows now. It might be three rows right now, but um, no, nah, I, I get what you're saying. But, yeah, it's there's definitely a difference. Um, AML's great, though, dude. Uh, yeah. But going, going backstage and at the AEW shows is like, a fucking different ball game <laughs> and getting getting in the ring just just walking out the side and you're kind of looking around you you're out there before the show starts so you see all the seats yeah and i remember i was with uh i was jb cole at the time and we were walking there's a name drop for you jb cole he's retired rp jb cole um but we were walking out there and he was man this is where you know the rock did so and so and so and so did this i'm like damn man a lot of shit did happen in this building like yeah. fuck that's pretty cool so going out there and then getting in the ring with Fodder, who was already like a, a good buddy of mine, and uh, that kind of gave me some peace of mind. So we were, we were in there doing the tag deal, and uh, the guys that we were working with, Dark Order, were super, super fucking cool, man. So yeah. I, I couldn't ask for a better uh, experience to start out with. Awesome. Um, how was the catering? <laughs> I figured that was coming. Um <laughs> I didn't go crazy in catering. I was told beforehand from. Is it because I, you were working? Well, no, nah, no, nah, that's, that's not it. Because they bring it out early enough to where if you want to dabble in it, you can. And then you work early enough to where you can hit it again. Uh, yeah. But I was told from uh, a high ranking official 
at AEW that, hey, guys, the catering is for these people. Y'all are more than welcome to go eat, but don't go fucking crazy. So there can be some heat if you do. And I kept that in the back of my mind. So I was, hey, I'll take a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But I didn't need it to begin with because, like I said, I I don't wrestle on days I'm working. But the day that I did not wrestle, the Battle of the Belts, I may have went for like two or three, two or three runs. So, yeah. I, I love the idea. I love the idea that someone might not get booked on on an event because, like, yeah, he really ate too much food, and that wasn't okay. <laughs> I didn't say that they may not get booked on an event, but you might get like, <laughs> you might get the side eye, like, is this yeah. motherfucker really going to get another steak? Yeah, but hey, that's on you if you want it, baby. Go get it how you live. Yeah, this is not a relevant question for anything we're talking about. Is that a flip phone next to you under the lamp? No. <laughs> This? Yeah. No, that's those headphones that I tried using that we put oh, on right. oh. It looked like a flip phone. This entire time I was like, is that a flip phone? No, nah, dude, that's that's George South's gimmick. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh you do AEW Dark, you've done a lot of stuff in your first year, um, which probably a lot of people haven't had the the blessing to be able to do that. Um let's talk a little bit about your title raid with as AML. Um I was uh, was it how long exactly was it? I know it was for a good long time. It was like for six months. Um, but when I had originally got it, I didn't even think that I was going to keep it that long. Uh, original plans were, were something else, and they may they may or may not. So I'm not going to get into any any of that. Mm-hmm. But original plans were something else. So I thought that it was going to be a quick deal. So I had the belt for six months. I think we defended it like four or five times. I know. Uh, I beat, uh, beat AJ Kazana. Um, me and James Ryan had a really good match. Uh, I, I beat Jack the first time before he cheated. And uh, then I had beat EC3 and AJZ. And it was like, yeah, I think it was like four times, probably those four guys. But uh, it was over a six month period. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're actually there when you lost it. So that was the only. That was our only exposure, too. Yeah. So, sorry. It was probably our fault. That was our first uh, Future Star show. Um, hey, but hey, let me, let me tell you. It wasn't your fault. Okay. <laughs> that really helps out. Um, <laughs> it was kind of a cool story you guys told leading up to the match with you and Jay. Is it Jack? You've seen the promo. It's J-A-C, baby. Yeah. That's yeah. what I, I think it is, but the people say Jack. It, it's confusing. Well, I, I, he's going by both. He's going by Jesse and Jesse Alexander yeah. Carter. But for here lately, it's it's hardcore JAC. Yeah. Um, what was it like working with him and kind of building up to that like storyline? Man, Jack is a hundred percent hard nosed, strong farm boy character. Like he is a hundred percent what he's putting out, and uh, a lot of people can't say that. A lot of people put out a, a something that they're not, and uh, he, he's he's a bad man. So uh, getting in there and working with him and telling that story, which obviously you know it went how it went, and he had to cheat and do what he does. But uh, it was a fun little deal. Me and me and Zuka told a, a long story right before then uh-huh. that a lot of people kind of got interested in. So uh, going from that and then immediately kind of doing a few title defenses and then ending with the Jack story was was good. And I get into that that type of stuff because it, it gives us something to go off of and then the fans who are, are spending their money and showing up something yeah. to kind of bite into. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was a good match. Um, glad to know that we weren't the cause of that. Um, <laughs> what a relief. Like- uh, yeah, how, yeah, we're cool, man. We're cool. Yeah, uh, it's just going good, you know. So. Yeah, yeah, things are definitely going good. Uh, speaking of going good, you've got the zenith going on right now. Uh, when did that start? Was that like did that coincide at all with your with your title reign for AML? Um, no, not not necessarily winning the belt. Uh, me and TDT were working a lot of events at the same time. And, you know, we, we were always, you know, joking around and stuff. And I was at a Firestar event when uh, when Firestar was still putting me on events. And I seen Benny 
and was just joking around with him was like hey man why don't we do this thing and uh, it could be you know me you and uh, tdt and he had gotten the zenith logo made uh-huh. uh beforehand and i had asked him about it i'm like yo dude you, you got this logo what are you doing with it because he was managing just random people everywhere yeah was, man i kind of want to get a faction going can't really get a lot of people to bite into it i was like all right well shoot me the logo right now i was like let's do something shoot me the logo i'm gonna post it i'm gonna tag me you and tdt we're the zenith fuck it and uh that's kind of how it started and then we started throwing around some names for for a third and we had a another person in mind and it didn't work out so we added uh we were talking to benny and benny was also managing duke o'connor yeah so i told benny i was like hey man manage duke manage tdt manage me tell all these other people you can't manage them no more because we're going to do this group deal and we kind of just hit the ground running there man and, and got jackets made and and we were doing it for about four or five months and debating on adding a, a girl and yeah. uh benny originally threw out caitlin's name and we had we, we kind of narrowed it down to three three girls and they're all local, uh, but we wasn't sure if Caitlin was wrestling or not. And it had been a while before, since she had posted anything. And this is probably, oh, I'll go ahead and give you all a little scoop here. The reason why Caitlin doesn't remember who hit her up to be in the Zenith is because Caitlin hit me up. That's right. <laughs> the, yeah. Caitlin hit me up as I was about to wrestle EC3. Uh-huh. Nothing slick. She just like, shot a hand clap emoji we we started a conversation and i reached out to benny i was like yo you just mentioned caitlin being in the group i just found out she still wrestles do you want me to ask her no so i asked her um she was like yeah let's let's try it out and see how it goes she popped up in an event and the minute that she came out man she was just fucking going 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 and i was like god dang man like i dig this shit like she's getting heat for us she's doing her own thing and she can fucking wrestle too. Like this is, this was the right choice and it, yeah. it, it works. And uh, we, we got moving forward and, and uh, got the promo pictures taken. And right around that time, Duke kind of decided to do his own deal, which is totally cool. More power to more power to Duke. But we were like, yo, this train, uh, this train can't stop. So me, TDT, yeah. Caitlin and Benny, we're going to fucking get after it. And ever since then we have been winning titles and just, doing all kinds of cool shit. Yeah. What do you, what is the, the goal long-term for the Zenith? I think the goal long-term for the Zenith and we, we agreed from the jump is just to like, it's for everybody. Um, you, you look, it's for everybody to excel and, and get further and to get bookings. I think you look at a lot of these other groups in North Carolina and you're like, Oh, the leader of this group is this person or, you know, they're doing it for this, like in the Zenith, it's all even like me, TDT, Caitlin. It's all for all of us to get booked as a group. We want to work together. I want Caitlin to win all the fucking women's titles. I want TDT to win all the heavyweight titles he can. It, it's just to to get each other bookings to work yeah. together and uh, to to go on these road trips, man. Like the last year or so, traveling with them, we've all gotten super close. And I'm not the best fucking driver. All right. <laughs> no. I know this shit. I know this shit. But who has drove every single fucking mile in the Zenith car? Me. Yeah. Me. It sounds like you're the like if you're driving all the time, who else are they gonna be critical of? It can only be you. Dude, like and and all right, here's the thing. On the rides home, that's cool because Caitlin's asleep. Yeah. And she ain't gotta pee ten fucking times. But the ride's there, God, son. It's rough. It's rough. But bless her heart. Uh, it all works out. What is what is the, the vibe of the music, the Zenith Road Trips? Whatever I got playing, um, which is usually like money bag radio. Um, I'll switch it up and do like some, some Ja Rule radio if we're trying to go a little old school. Some Nelly yeah. will pop on there. Um, but... Most of the time, probably if I'm in in a car, it, it's always on money bag. All the good shit pops up up. Yeah, is that Pandora? Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, and then Caitlin gives me shit because ads. Ads yeah. pop up on my fucking Pandora. You know what? I got, I got other shit to pay for. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know Pandora was still a thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to be honest with you. It is. Yeah. I got it. Yeah, well, like Spotify, they had the radio, but the the radio wasn't good. Like Pandora, Dude, I, I never really got into Spotify. I, yeah. Maybe I should. Well, why would you when you have Pandora? Yeah, plays all the hits, man. Plays yeah. all the hits and ads. Why would you want to like pick a song when you could have a song picked for you? Exactly. I got to drive. Yeah, they already they already bitch enough about my fucking yeah. driving. I about I about took out the whole Zeta for last Tennessee trip. I'll be. I, I swear to God. But we're still here. Yeah. It builds the character. It builds once you guys have faced near death. Mm-hmm. It makes you stronger as a group. So they should really right. be taking you. Yeah, um, we took on we took on the stew crew that night. We we it, yeah. we faced near death twice in one night. Yeah. I think if you all put your money together, you can have no ads. I I, I think that I think you should yeah. love yourself enough. Yeah. Well dude, we're trying to I mean, merch merch or no ads. What the fuck do y'all want? Yeah. <laughs> You should put that on a on a shirt. Yeah. Buy this <laughs> so we can get rid of our ads. <laughs> yeah. I'll design it for you if you want. I don't even know what the, I don't even know what the fucking cost is, dude. I don't even listen to this shit. I don't even hear it. I'm, I'm yeah. dropping. I'm chilling. Yeah. Um so we had Caitlin on. She took a loving uh shovel out and she just kind of buried you guys. So I want to give you the opportunity to return the favor. Yeah. Um, platform is yours, whatever you'd like to say. Man, you know, I've been giving Caitlin shit all week since I've watched her interview about burying her. And she's kind of worried about it. Okay. But I'm not even going to do that. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to set the record straight, okay? She called me out for, for using filters on my my Instagram post. And I looked back, and I've deleted some posts since. Um, <laughs> and maybe I did, you know? But... In my defense, I just click the same fucking filter every time. So it's, basically, it's basically not using a filter then. Well, I, well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I just click the same filter. I never really look too far into it. Click post, post yeah. some dumbass caption that nobody ever likes anyway. Yeah. But uh, and uh, so, but since then, I've deleted those and I have not been using filters just for that. But if I'm driving her ass around everywhere and not asking her for anything, she can just shut up, sit in the back and sleep. Maybe <laughs> ask for a little, a little less bathroom breaks. So, I just want to make sure I'm hearing you correctly. You have stopped using filters since she calls you out for using filters? I don't. I don't Thank you for that. your time. I don't use that filter. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, maybe I'll turn up the contrast on the picture yeah. just so. It's a little dark. saturation a little bit. Um, yeah. And I, I will point out, you said everything is equal when it comes to the Zeta. Is she not paying for gas? Oh, no. She she pays for gas. Okay. She pays for gas. Okay. That's um, good. It's, everybody's pretty cool about that, man. We, okay. don't, we don't really have a lot of problems getting money out of each other for, yeah. for any kind of road trips expense. Yeah. Um, that, the road trips with the Zenith are, are normally pretty chill when I'm not pulling out in front of cars. <laughs> That is awesome. Um, these are really cool. The shirt you're wearing, is that for sale anywhere? It's not, man. This was actually the... Uh, we were having the uh, fucking tag team match with Jack and David Parrish for Future Stars in February when uh-huh. Future Stars returned. And they had wanted to do something for uh, the Briscoes because Jay had just passed. Yeah, like, yeah man. We want to we wanna wear some Briscoes gear. And me and Tevin, since we do the 3D ZD that we yeah. call it... Um, we're like, all right, hey, let's do some Dudley Boy shit. And I had got the glasses made and the shirts. He had got a purple one and I got this one and had a, a girl that I had bartended with. She put the Z and the Zenith on there. And it actually ended up coming out pretty well. And since we have gotten them, it's just me and Tevin that has them. And everywhere we yeah. wear them, they're like, yo, where can we get the tie-dye t-shirt? Yeah, I would. So you should definitely. Yeah, I'm thinking about it now, you know. But uh, yeah, that's awesome. The Zenith, I don't think there's a, a group north carolina that is up to that level well Um, to be real like fuck it to be real there's a lot of groups popping up here lately yeah 
and they got some fucking hitters. They got some good ones, but I don't think they're fucking with Zing. You gonna call anybody out? <laughs> they can call us out. Okay. You heard That's it. That's a pro right there. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I ain't dropping no fucking names. I can drop our name. What's um? What's the weirdest DM you've got? Oh, all right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I love how ready for this you were. Yeah. Not, oh, I don't want to step on any toes or like offend anybody because like everybody has their kinks or whatever. Fuck yeah. it, you know, whatever. And I'm comfortable with all my shit. Hell, we get spandex, we touch men all the time. I ain't got no problems with it. But uh, when I first started wrestling, I took this picture and I posted it. Uh, I didn't know on Facebook because before I started wrestling, I didn't have a Facebook for like years. And I didn't know there was a Max Friend group thing. So I get my Facebook and I post this picture. My picture gets shared. And I'm getting like a thousand Facebook friend requests a day. And I don't know why. (laughs) But apparently it got shared in this group, this male lover group. And uh, I got all these friend requests. And I'm like, man, fuck, that's blowing up from wrestling and shit. Yeah. No, I guess they thought I was I was swinging, Um, but I got this DM from this big jacked up fella. He had a handlebar mustache. He looked like he fucking ate my lunch, dude. But he's like, "Hey, man, you want to meet me at my hotel and we can we can really wrestle and see who the champ is (laughs) or something crazy like that?" And I was like, "Damn, nah, man, I'm good. Like, I'm cool, but." I thought that was going to be crazy. And then I just started getting more and more DMs about what, what size boots do you wear? Are you selling any ring gear? Are you doing anything like that? And I'm like, Hey, if I was selling some ring gear or selling boots, I might be able to make a good buck or two, but yeah, I just, I just kind of got started and had no idea. I, I just thought my page was getting shared and I was blowing up for wrestling. And it was, it was a bunch of guys who thought that I was kind of, kind of blowing up for something else. I don't know. Yeah. I've seen people, specifically AJ Kazela, um, sell ring gear. And I've asked this question to other wrestlers, not on the podcast. This is the podcast debut. What percentage of gear sales do you think are non-memorabilia motivated? Hmm. That's the best way to word that, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I would say a good 80%. Are probably on the creep, creep yeah. side, That's or like such a the high number, well, dude. <laughs> I mean, shit's high these days. <laughs> you you gotta be, you gotta really want it to spend that yeah. money to go get it, you know. And so with you know, that AJ, in mind, like but AJ's much... a stud though, dude. AJ's AJ's got it going yeah. on, man. He's he's selling that merch and and selling the the ring worn gear, so he's got it going on. I think that a lot of people would qualify him as a bear. I'm sure he does very well when it comes to. <laughs> he might, he might have have it all figured out, dude. But yeah. uh, AJ's a AJ's a good fella. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. Um, another one of Dr. Tom's alumni. Yep. Um, I guess, uh, kind of, we've talked about a lot of your past, but what do you, what does the future hold for J.R. Miller? What are you? Who are you hoping to wrestle, I guess, like in the next year to five years? Um, that's a good question. I kind of just kind of want to keep climbing the ladder. When I first got into wrestling, I I thought it would be cool, like, if I could just get booked every weekend. Man, it, it'd be cool to just work all the time. And then that kind of happened happened semi-quick. And I was like, man, it'd be cool to win the, win the Future Stars belt, you know? And then – Win the future stars belts, man. Fuck, it'd be cool to to wrestle here, or wrestle out of state, and, or win win a belt there. And so it's kind of just been like little steps out of time that I've just. It's, it's not like when I first started that I'm like, man, I'm shooting for WWE or, or bust. You know, it's just kind of I've appreciated the little the little moments, and it's kind of helped me because I I've I've met certain guys or or some people that have been doing this for a, a good amount of time, and they're like, man you've gotten to do this and this, like, I hope you appreciate that because there's guys that, 
you know, have worked for however long and have, have paid a lot of dues and they don't get to do that stuff. So it kind of does help you put it in perspective. And, and, uh, I'm not going to lie. When I first kind of started going, I, I got a little complacent and a little, a little arrogant and felt like, Oh no, man, this shit just happens for everybody. And, and once, once that kind of faded away and I got away from it, I was like, man, it, it really don't happen for, for everybody. It, you kind yeah. of you got to work at it, you know. Awesome. So, who are who are some of the the guys like or the stepping stones that you're looking forward to next for J.R. Miller? Um, I would say as far as like J.R. Miller and also like the Zenith in there. So, like for me and TDT, uh, some of the guys in North Carolina that we would probably like to work or even like close by, um, the Dawson's, the Dawson's are, are the top, you know, however way you want to swing it. They've, they've been at the top in North Carolina for a long time. Oh yeah. So to, to work with them and to, to work a program with them would be like really cool. And yeah. to check that off the bucket list, I think that'd be cool for me and Tev. Um, and, uh, and we could learn a shitload from both, uh, oh, yeah. both of the Dawson's events. And, uh, as far as like higher than that, probably just like some, some of the NWA tag teams that, that we really like. I mean, the, the country gentleman, AJ, we, I got a score to settle with AJ because, you know, me, me and him originally started a tag team called the Mullet Daddies that you might not know about. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a little, little inside scoop. Me and AJ were the Mullet Daddies for all of one match, and uh, we got beat by EC3 and Fodder, and uh, – then he, he let me go. But, mm-hmm. um, so probably uh, the country gentlemen, you know, they, they got those USA tag belts. We'd like to wrestle those guys. We're, we're working the Stu crew in uh, Tennessee and North Carolina, and those guys are fucking they're, – they're both big, and they're brawlers. They're great. Um, and they're, they're probably our biggest rival right now. Uh, CW and PQ, the Extreme Horsemen, another tag team that are pretty local that we could probably learn a lot from. Uh, I, I'm not going to name – any of the tag teams on like WWE and AEW level right now. Cause obviously that's down the road and yeah. uh, a couple next couple years though, uh, working the extreme horsemen, working the Dawson's working a, a few of the other top tag teams around here. I know there's a few other ones, but those are the top two that's come to mind immediately. Awesome. Um, and then as far as your kind of peers, uh, you might have a, a few more or at least a different perspective. Cause you've had like your classes at, the Nightmare Factory at the Pritchard. Yeah. Who are some guys you think more people should know about? Um, definitely more people should know about. Uh, I'll, I'll start with the JPWA because there was there was a good bit that we originally graduated with, but it, it's down to only a few of us still working. And uh, so immediately, guys popping in my mind, the Stu crew, I just dropped their name uh, before, but I'll say it again. Uh, Zach and Dylan Stewart, they're based out of Tennessee. Johnny Polk is, uh, is a hell of a guy. He's based out of Indiana. Yeah. And uh, Noah Hossman, Noah Hossman, oh, yeah. who works with New, New South a lot, I believe. And yeah. uh, he's yeah. an absolute fucking beast. Oh, yeah. Um, so at JPWA, th- those guys were in my class. Some other guys, obviously, you see on NWA, AJ, uh, Silas. There's a, there's a few others that uh, pop out. Wayne Moxie, fucking yeah. Wayne Moxie is a bad motherfucker. Um, Axton Ray. Axton Ray, he's bad as hell too. That's, he, he, man, you can put Axton anywhere. He's he's another guy like QT Marshall, and he'll just fucking deliver any yep. any place. Um, and then like Nightmare Factory wise, there's there's a few guys over there that are still getting after it too. Uh, the first guys that pop into my mind are the dudes in Kimonos, or I don't know if y'all are familiar with them, but the Dicks, Frankie Filto, and uh, KJ Impala. Uh, those guys they bring all kinds of energy, dude, and. Uh, those those are my my main guys over there. There's another guy, Cliff Hendricks. He's he's based on the West Coast, killer guy. Kevin Panic, the guy that I wrestled in the uh, the showcase. And other than that, uh, there's there's a few. Oh, Casey Carrington, the fourth. Casey Carrington. He, he's a another guy. Other than that, man, as far as JPWA and Nightmare Factory guys, the guys in North Carolina, um, in South Carolina, Zuka King. Oh yeah. Zuka King, uh, we did a program, and uh, I learned so much from Zuka the first year of wrestling. And he was one of those guys that he didn't have to 
pulled yeah. him aside. He didn't have to, but he did, and he would. And hey, man, maybe you should try this, or, or when you're doing this, let's do this. And and it was just a, a ton of valuable information. And getting to watch him, like, yeah, he's cool as fuck, man. He, he's great. Like I, I caught myself vibing on his entrance one time, yeah. like, and I got to wrestle this fucking guy, you know. <laughs> but uh, he's also yeah. an encyclopedia. Yeah, he knows so much about wrestling. Yeah, yeah, Zuka and uh, he, he's a killer guy, and and everybody knows those guys are great. Um, yeah, James Ryan, James Ryan's another guy that when I first started wrestling, I was like, man, I gotta fucking wrestle this guy. Like, he's got character, um, and I got to do that. But a couple guys that I think would probably be fun because I've been wrestling some some characters here. Like, I just wrestled Baby Lotion Brown and had a really fun fucking match. And then I wrestled Buddy Flowers and had a really fun match. Yeah. But like White Mike. Oh yeah. White Mike uh is one of the uh, he probably don't even know this because I don't I don't really talk to White Mike that much, but uh he's one of the only guys that I knew of as an independent wrestler before I got into independent wrestling. And yeah. I followed him on Twitter and I thought he was just the funniest fucking dude oh, in the yeah. world. And then you meet him in person and it, he just absolutely delivers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Just like not only the skill level, but just like the shit he talks during his match. Yeah. Like, I mean, these crazy moves. Some of the stuff he pops out and says, and then he can do all the fucking moves to go along with it. Just yeah. like killer athleticism, super like great character work, funny yeah. guy. Yeah. It was really cool to see him get the EML belt. Yeah. That was, yeah, definitely deserved. Um, I think a lot of people know who White Mike is, but if you don't, do yourself a favor. Definitely. Check them out. Definitely. But, like, I, I could go in and name a shitload more, but, like, those are the, the immediate ones that pop in my head, man. So I'm just going to leave them with those. Okay. Sounds good. And Christian usually has a question queued up for the end of, end of our interviews. So I'll let him uh, roll that one out. It's so ridiculous that this is always our closer. <laughs> but what is that cheat meal and or just, like, cookout tray or <clears throat> what's it looking like? Mmm. Dude, I, all right. At being a bartender, you get burnt out on cookout because it's the only thing open. Yeah, dude, it's either cookout or Taco Bell, and like, so I would say just I'm more of a Taco Bell guy. So let's let's do the Taco Bell order. Okay. Um, let's see it. If I'm really getting after it, then it's two beefy five layer burritos with no sour cream, um, an order of nachos and cheese, a large Baja Blast. And either a soft taco or a cheesy roll up. Nice, solid. Yeah, that's respectable. That's probably it, man. That's because I'm I'm a big Taco Bell guy. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, have you tried the new taco that they're advertising? Are you talking about the grilled cheese taco? Yeah. Oh, he was ready for this. (laughs) Have I heard of it? (laughs) Yeah, bro. Yeah, (laughs) it sucks. Yeah. But whatever. Different structure, different folks. I saw this and I'll share it with you because I feel like you might appreciate it. But it was a TikTok. A guy took a quesadilla, made sure they didn't cut it, opened it up, put two Doritos Locos tacos in it, poured hot sauce on it, and folded it back up and then ate it. Jesus. Yeah. I don't that's know. What that hurts my chest just yeah. hearing about that. Yeah, I don't I don't get that crazy, man. But yeah. we uh we we have a good time with the the road trips back back and forth with the zine and stopping for the food afterwards. Yeah, uh, awesome. Well, um, I think the future is the sky's the limit for you in the future, especially for the Zenith. Um, we're excited that we get to have all of you on this month. Did you want to bury anything with TDT real quick before we get off? Nah, man, you can't can't bury TDT. TDT okay. is uh, he doesn't have too many kids. <laughs> I get out he live partner, but TDT's yeah. the man. Um TDT has been super solid for me, man. Uh yeah. especially, you know, you go stuff and you go through stuff in your personal life and yeah, you got people to lean on and he's been he's been one of those guys and regardless how you feel about the Zenith or J.R. Miller, you know, you, you gotta be a TDT fan, man. Oh, yeah, for sure. He comes out there and to me, to me, he's the best big around right now. Okay. There, there ain't nobody fucking with TDT, and you can you can clip that, put it on anything. There's there's only a couple guys that that are that size and and move like TDT and, and the Dawsons being 
be one of them yeah. as, as great as they are. But uh, TDT is that guy, man. Oh, yeah. Well, and I'm uh, super appreciative of him. Yeah. We just had played Brad on it. He said the same thing about him. Like, great guy in the rig, also great guy outside of the rig. I don't think yeah. he has too many kids. Um, nah, nah, man. I think, he, I think he could definitely do two more at least. You know, Caitlin's yeah. just a hater. And uh, <laughs> she just likes to pick out shit to talk about, you know. Yeah. And, oh, I just want to. Man, I appreciate you guys because, you know, she was going in and naming all these names and putting over all these people. And y'all had to be like, Caitlin, what about the Xena? Yeah. What about the Xena? No, that was my first thought. And then she was like, oh, yeah, um, the guys that get me booked and give me, give me all this stuff. Yeah, let me, let me put those guys over real quick. And then she buries my driving and my filter size. So yeah. Well, uh, we are going to put a filter over your video for this. Yeah. <laughs> It's gonna be the most obvious filter too. It's just gonna be like a sepia tone, like looking like for the nineteen twenties. So you got that to look forward to. But this has been really fun. Uh, if you see J.R. Miller on a card, if you see the Zenith on a card, it's worth your money. Um, yeah, man, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us. Man, I appreciate you guys having me. It was fun.